You are listening to the weekly podcast of Northeast Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We pray you enjoy today's message. For the Bible. So. It is the day that the Lord has made. Now I will rejoice and be glad in it. Shall we stand for the reading of God's word from the book of Acts chapter 20? The book of Acts chapter 20. Beginning at verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here this day to be able to share your word, to be able to preach your truth, to be able to testify to your grace. And so, Lord, we ask you in the precious name of Jesus that you would be with us even as we endeavor to share and that you would speak into the hearts of your people, and that, God, you would bring forth fruit in their lives, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Only you can do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I can handle this. I want to talk to you this morning about finishing strong. Finishing strong. My 
when my brother does his thing on the phone, he always ends with stay on top. I want to talk about finishing strong. And if y'all walk with me through this, we won't be long. But if y'all drag with me through this, we're going to drag you with us, and we still won't be long. Amen? One of the things that I enjoy doing that I've come to learn to do that I didn't do in my young years was learning how to travel. Traveling was a, has become a fun thing for me. I couldn't stand getting in the car, going somewhere, traveling somewhere, going to see folk, going to see sites. I was a literal workaholic. If it was called work, I was there to do it. I didn't care. I'm not like those that today just want to push buttons on a machine or work from home. I love getting out and going to work. I've been working ever since I was 14 years old when my father got me my first job and I quit that job after one week. But let me help y'all. I never quit another job after that. When I got home and I told my father at the job that he got me that they didn't treat me right and I quit that job and I'm not going back there. He said, son, I'll be up in the room in a few moments. Just give me a few seconds there. And when he came upstairs, he came with this belt. He said, now lay down on that bed. And I laid on the bed, and he said, now take your, um, just stay right there. I got a few moments to work with you. And, and, and trust me, y'all, when he got finished with me, I never quit another job in my life. Oh, 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 let, let me tell you, that, that belt did not feel good. I couldn't jump around because I was laying on the bed, and so I never quit again. I want to tell you, don't ever be quitters. Some things you can just work through. But my wife and I, we have decided, our goal now is that we're going, we have decided we're going to try and travel to all 50 states, hopefully, before the Lord takes us home. And we've been to 27 right now, and we're, we're still working on it. And most people only get to maybe seven or eight states, but we're going to try to get to other places. I don't really want to go to Utah. I'm not interested in Wyoming. I could care less about Montana. But I heard some black folk live in Minnesota, so I might not mind going there. It, now, now, mind you, the ones that live up there have an accent, and, and there many of them are from Liberia and Ghana and everywhere else. But guess what? They black nonetheless. And I won't be the only token hanging around in the place. But when we go on vacation, there are some things that we've got to do. We've got, we end up doing, we spend time reflecting on where we went. And I'll never forget going to San Francisco. Now, when I got back from San Francisco, I said, I will never go to that place again. Let me tell y'all something. It I was in a place called Hayward, which is outside of San Francisco. And I paid for breakfast for five of us at the table. And it only cost me $52. When I got to San Francisco, there were only three of us at the table. And I paid $68. I said, never again. Y'all see, I got PTSD. I it won't leave my brain what happened to me there. Oh, oh, let me let me tell you, that's an expensive place to go. But as a result, so as a result of that loss of money, I said, I'm not going to go there. 
And most of us, when we go on trips, we, we kind of try to tally up what we've done and where we've been. And we look at the end instead of the beginning. But you've got to remember that when you're going on a trip, there is a process that's involved in your going. We don't like to talk about the process, but the process is there. You see, because before you head out, you not only need to know where you're going in terms of your destination, but you've got to work on planning, you've got to work on preparation, and you've got to work on projection. Am I right about it? For any of you that know what I'm talking about traveling, because when you've got to plan where you're going, you've got to prepare for what you are going to take with you. It's no different when you go to the beach, you better take yourself a bathing suit. And ladies, take a shirt so everybody can't see everything you got. I'm going to help y'all right now. It's good to have mystery. Y'all hear me? It's good to have mystery. Don't let everybody see everything. Men and women, it's good to have mystery. You better cover up because we represent the living God. Am I right about it? We represent Christ who is Lord. And he expects us to be distinct from our culture. That was just an aside right there. That's what you call a bunny trail. I had to include that. But you see, you've got to plan, you've got to package, and then you've got to project on what it's going to cost you while you're there. Can I be real with y'all about ministry today? You see, because for most of us, when we look at ministry, we focus on the end of ministry rather than what it takes us to get to the end. What I mean by that is we center on what you identify in ministry are the outcomes of ministry, the hope for success in ministry versus what it takes to do ministry. Too many people of, uh, of our society have become like the audience rather than the participators in the show. We wait for the benefits that drop from the hand of the benefactors, those that have, rather than participating in filling the coffers right here in the ministry. We take all of the glory when something is accomplished. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Stuff gets done. We walk with our chest out, our heads held high, our hands raised as if we were fully invested in the project. But if you pull, pull up the, 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 the debits and the credits, you're going to find out that there are some folk that say, yes, I'm involved, but they weren't as involved as they should be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you just go behind the scenes and check the trustee books, and you'll see that some folk you thought were given. And let me just say this, that when you begin to look at this, this shout of celebration when everything is done, you've got to remember that that horn of plenty will diminish if everybody is not involved. Am I right? See, see, I, I, I pastored, so I know what it, I, what it is for the horn of plenty to diminish. I, I, I know what it is to be a, a, in a church where only 20% are giving versus the 100%, where only 10% are tithing versus the 100%. The coffers start to get low. The gas from the last fill-up begins to run out. But God expects us to be fully involved in the work of ministry. You hear what I'm saying? Turn to somebody and tell them, God wants you to be 
fully involved. You see, ghost pledging rather than committed pledging needs to go from the church. Half tithing rather than the tenth needs to go from the church. Giving back in order to get a paycheck needs to go from the church. Donations rather than sacrificial giving needs to go from the church. Showing up late or not at all instead of being on time and for the duration needs to go from the church. Sunday praying. Folk can pray on Sunday, but we ought to be pleading throughout the week. Am I right about it? it church witnessing inside ought to be, is all right, but we ought to be testifying outside. Coming to get rather than giving has to go. Depending on the few instead of depending on the congregation as a whole, it has to go. Ministry is not just about the end results. It's about how you're going to do ministry and maintain the ministry because there are barriers that will hinder the ministry. Some of you think that ministry is filled with a whole lot of excitement. You think it's filled with popularity and money. Well, it, there, there's, there's some money there. There's some excitement there, and it can be. But it also is filled with hard work. You can't bring these young people up here to sing and to be in order without some hard work. You can't bring a choir together and, 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 a, and a company is together without some hard work. You can't bring ushers in the house without knowing how to usher, without some training going on, ministry is about hard work. In the traveling scenario, I used to, I don't mind going down I-95. We've done it every year that I can remember. Now, 37 years I've been married to my wife, and at least 25 we've been down I-95 every year or more before I stopped you know, being one of those that stayed at home, mind my business, and you go on a vacation while I go to work. That, I, I, and I'll never forget, an ungodly, unsaved man made me in 2001 get up and go with my wife on a vacation, on a cruise that I did not want to go on. But after that, I began to realize, Luke, that's where you're supposed to be. But when you're going on that vacation and down I-95, let me help y'all. There's some barriers that go in the way. If you've ever been down there, you know when you start getting to North Carolina and South Carolina, what was three lanes turns to two lanes. And, 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 and worse yet, when the two lanes occur, isn't it terrible when the traffic gets backed up for an accident here? I'm trying to get my way down to Florida or to or Myrtle Beach or, or to Virginia, and, and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of an accident. And the barriers are right there in the way. And trust me, y'all, when those barriers occur, it, it brings out a different me. Oh, maybe, maybe y'all don't know what I'm talking about. See, 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 because I'm, I'm at that point where I say it shouldn't be no barrier. And I got to the point where I told my wife, we got to start going out early in the morning, like 3 o'clock, in order to avoid the barriers that usually occur when everybody else is traveling. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? 
You see, you see, so, 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 see, because the detours could be a flood, it could be an accident, it could be road construction, uh, but the fact of the matter is, when you plan your destination, you're not focusing on what can be barriers to your enjoyment, but ministry is always faced with barriers that causes us as like children to squirm in the back and say, are we there yet? Just now as you bought that church right down the street and you're looking and you formed a CDC, a, 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 a little development corporation, there are many, there are people, when are we going to get started? When are we going to do what we need to do? Well, listen here, there are some barriers in the way. You need an architect to help you. You need some financial planning to help you. You need some granting to help you. So guess what? Just be patient. See, see and, and here's the crazy part. In the midst of the planning to do everything that God has put in your heart to do, you're always going to have the demises that forsake you. You're going to always have the Alexander Coppersmiths that will attack you and the Jews that will plot to kill you and the faint-hearted that will talk a good game in, in the day but never be there in the midst of the dark. You're always going to have those that are going to say the lights are on but never contribute a hand to turn them on. But the true Christian, the true brother and sister in the Lord, does not focus on the barriers. They focus not on the obstacles, but instead on the objectives. You see, when you're walking this walk in ministry, you've got to stay focused on the objectives. You see, though there was a death of an Abel, there was a Seth who still had Cain around, but Seth kept on marching. Though there was the obstacle of the mighty, of the great ones, there was a Noah that still over 120 years kept building the ark. Though there was the obstacle of Abraham's past, he kept on marching and journeying until he saw that God could make a way out of no way, though there was an Esau. Jacob kept wrestling on the mountain with the angel and wouldn't let him go until God said, until he said, you bless me. But let me make it clear. When you become discouraged by the detours of life, when you get to the place that you're impatient with things <coughs> that are going on, you've got to remember that God has a bulldozer that can run over any barrier that is in your way. You've got to remember that God has the power to knock down every raw wall, crush every enemy, and prepare the ground that of work before you so that you can accomplish it with great joy. Barriers are only there to stretch your faith a little more. So you can discover the sufficiency of God, the sovereignty of God, the sacredness of God, the salvation of God, and the solidarity of the triune God. You've got to understand the barriers are there for you to be able to grow in your walk with God, not back up from the wall. But the second thing that Paul dealt with were not just barriers. But he also dealt with the things that we call burdens. 
When you look in the text of Scripture, notice how Paul alludes to his burdens. He talks about humility and tears. He talks about teaching you public from house to house. He talks about the Holy Spirit warned me that the prisons and the hardships are there to face me. In essence, Paul said is, is saying to us that the womb of ministry, what you are engaged and involved in as a body of Christ, is Brought with indescribable hurt, unexpected limitations, and bureaucratic intrusions. Now, let me make that clear. That means that somebody's going to get hurt in here. Somebody's going to be vulnerable, and somebody's going to take advantage of you. Let me be clear. That means that there are some folk that won't be able to do because they're limited in one way or another to do. That means bureaucratic intrusions. There's going to be red tape. That sometimes you think block you from getting done the job that it's called you to do. <sighs> Let me help you very clearly. Tears will occur like with Nehemiah because of negative reports. Y'all can't get this done. Y'all ain't nothing but a poor church. Y'all ain't nothing but a poor street group of people. Y'all don't have nothing going for you anyhow. Y'all don't have any, any real connections. You're going to hear those that are going to bring the negative reports. You're going to hear, have heartbreaks because you're going to look around and see those that have chemical strongholds. You're going to see those that have sexual strongholds, food strongholds, emotional strongholds, dysfunctional family strongholds, and financial strongholds, and all kinds of other stuff on the other hand. You're going to find the soul is disillusioned because of so little change, so few resources, and the limited go on and on and on but I want you to know like Paul you need to take something out of his book and realize that true Christians don't focus on the optics but the opportunities see you can look around but you need to remember what Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. Y'all hear that? We walk by faith and not by sight. Stop looking at who you are, what you are. Think about who created you and who called you. Stop looking around and saying, I can, and remember who can. Stop looking around and saying, they won't, but remember he who will. Stop looking around and looking at those that run one way and say, I have followed Jesus and I will not turn around. We look at the things that are eternal and not the things that are temporal. We envision the blessings that God gives us and not the cursing. Paul knew that while he was in prison, he awaited on God to release him. Paul knew that the hellhounds were after him, but it did not matter. What mattered to him was preaching the gospel, 
the salvation of the lost, the lifting up of those who didn't know Jesus, the, and the glory of God. Well, stop letting the optics distract you. Stay focused on your opportunities. The fields are ready unto harvest, and God has placed you in the world to run a combine that will gather the wheat and the corn together. Stay focused, my brothers and sisters, on the field that God has given you to work in. You have not been placed here for no reason. There may be guns shooting everywhere. We just heard of someone that got shot and is a part of who we are. But don't worry about it in one sense. You've got to look beyond the terror and to see who terrorizes the terrors. Listen, we got a heavenly terrorist, y'all. He knows how to handle everybody and everything. We sit behind closed doors, locked for fear. I want to tell you that I got a God that says, no, 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 I've unlocked the door, and I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Don't you dare allow the hellhounds to block you from the opportunity. Now, I ain't saying be stupid. You you may need to put some bars on your window, but you ought not have bars on your door. See, see the window, you you can stop them from coming in, but the door ought to be open for you to go out and touch lives. Amen? Somebody say amen in here. You, you see, you ought not be caught up where you can't get out and let the chains drop because you got a message that is the dynamite of God. I'm taking my time this morning. Not taking forever, though, because I'm getting ready to close out here. But finally, as we read the text, Paul's experience is what every Christian's going to go through. You need to recognize but not worry about being faced by the babble of the bushwhackers. Look at what Paul said in verse 29. He talked about the grievous wolves that were there and those that would speak perverse things and that would talk about him like he was a dog. Listen, you always have the naysayers, the detractors, and those who misrepresent your call. They say you just want to be big and bad. You just want to look like you're doing something. You're always going to have those that are going to defame your methods, your message, and even your mannerisms. See, because when you become distinct like God wants you to be distinct, don't nobody want to be bothered with you because you're different from what they are. And that's exactly what we ought to be. That's why Ephesians says we are his workmanship. He didn't create you to look like everybody else. He didn't create you to be user-friendly. He created you to be different from the world. And so what Paul says to us, he says, listen, when the naysayers are around you, I want to get you into a place where you're now focused on the opticals instead of the opposition. You see, you've got to understand. Paul said, I want to finish my course with joy. 
Here's what Paul is saying, is that when I, as an apostle, see the faith of the weak strengthened, I have some joy. That when I see the faint-hearted encouraged, I've got some joy. That when I see the confused minds clear, I've got some joy. That when I see the blind eyes open, I've got some joy. When I see the poor lives enriched, I've got some joy. When I see the afflicted and relieve the pain. I've got some joy. But most of all, most of all, most of all, when I hear my God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. So what I'm going to say to you, church, today is just keep right on pressing. Don't worry about the naysayers. Just keep right on pressing and finish this race that God has given you and finish it strong through the power of God and give God the glory. Don't worry about rejection. God's got you. Don't worry about the lies. God will protect you. Don't worry about your loneliness. He will never leave you. Nor will he ever forsake you. Don't you dare worry about your hurts. Don't worry, God knows how to heal your pain. Don't you dare worry about people disappointing you because God will never disappoint you. What I heard from the word is I serve a faithful God. I serve a living God. I serve a good God. I serve a powerful God. I serve an omnipresent God. I serve a God who's omniscient and knows everything. I serve a God who's good and good and good and good and good and good all the time. So if I may say like the old song says, don't you worry about a thing, pretty mama. God's got your back. You can finish strong. You ought to stop worrying about those that don't run with you. Just run on your own. You ought to stop worrying about those that don't hold you up. God will hold you up. You ought to stop looking at the obstacles, the opposition, and look at he who is eternal that has promised to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his Father in glory. Northeast, finish strong. Doors of the church are open. Doors of the church are open. Finish strong. Finish strong. Finish strong. Tap somebody on the shoulder and tell them, finish strong. We're going to finish strong. We're not going to stop. We're not going to turn around. We're going to finish this race that God has given us. The doors are open. If there's one that's not a member, you need to come on and give your hand to the church, but your heart to the Lord. Is there one? God's looking for you to turn your life over.
surrender your life to Christ. Finish strong. Finish strong on top because you're in the hands of the Almighty God. There's nothing that can hold you back when you are with him. The Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not want. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless, and have an amazing week.